Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? <laughs> Yours. <laughs> Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, everyone. We are so excited to have Jesse Dice here with us. Hi, Jesse. Hi. You all, Jesse just spoke to our practice, Virginia Family Therapy, about grief. And I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today because he is going to talk to us about pandemic related grief and how the pandemic how we're still really grieving at this stage of the pandemic and how grief is impacting where we are today. I think it's a really useful lens for how to look at what's happening for a lot of parents and a lot of people kind of across the country and the world. And so, Jesse, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. We love talking about grief. Jesse loves talking about grief. <laughs> Last time he talked about grief, I literally was like, oh, I think I'm crying and I want Jesse to be my therapist and he is seeing my soul. So thank you for that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you see grief impacting parents and adults and even kids at this stage of the pandemic. Yeah, I guess probably the easiest way to start off is, uh, like you said, we carry many different roles. And for those of us who are parents... Um, that's probably the first thing we maybe focused on when the pandemic hit is, oh man, this is changing everything right now. How is my kid going to react to this? If they're in school, what's going to happen now? And so like immediately, I think that we are facing some very real, very uncertain losses at that point in time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can, I can remember, I think our daughter was, uh, two and a half man that's yeah that, it's been a while hasn't it since we've been in the pandemic um so yeah she was two and a half um three when it first started and i remember thinking she just like got used to school socializing all that stuff and immediately realizing this is not going to be the same for her she's going to start forming memories pretty soon here and this is what we'll, she'll remember. Mm -hmm. And I think as parents, for a lot of us, we want to provide our kids with either experiences we feel like we didn't have as kids um, or experiences that were awesome, that really, really meaningful, that meant family to us that we want to give them. And almost immediately, it was a challenge of how do I, how do I do this now? We can't meet a family the same way maybe we used to be able to. We can't go on these vacations or adventures or whatever it is and connect the way we used to. And so as with most grief and loss that you experience right in that moment, like I think the way we initially feel it is acute anxiety. I need to grab onto something real quick right now. I need to reclaim something and and take action. And a lot of times with those scattered losses it's really hard to figure out what is the action that will actually make this feel better can i slow you down jesse already you yeah. said 10 things that i was like oh i feel that and i feel that 
But I think that what you just said about as parents, we want to give our kids either what we didn't have as children or what we remember as as an important ritual or really salient to our experience of childhood and something that's really important to us. And as soon as the pandemic hit, we had no vision, right? There was no way to connect to what our vision of parenting was, whether it's exactly what you had as a kid or something really different, but we had nowhere to go. And that's, I'm like, and that's sad actually, right? I think, I think you're totally right. It's super sad. And I think that we can register that in the moment, but so quick for many of us of how, uh, how quickly that goes from sad to scared to fearing these losses and then reacting and trying to do something about them, which isn't a bad thing. Like, I think a lot of us really appreciate in some ways having anxiety in that way because it gets us to do things that hopefully feel like that they're helpful. But the hard, the hard, the really hard part about these losses and the recognition that, and maybe acceptance even that they are not going away or that they're not going to be the exact same coming out of this, that they're still going to be there is that that anxiety, unfortunately, that action never gets us to address the loss itself or the grief itself. Like that's something that we carry. And cause I, I know like, even though right now, you know, our daughter's back in school, like they're still wearing masks and doing all the, the safe things they need to do. And I think she's gotten through at least one hurdle of anxiety of like the next shoe dropping. So in her little world, that's kind of coming or had been coming off as like, just wondering when's the next time we um, get to be together as a family, just to understand like predictability, like who do I see now? What's going uh-huh. on now? Uh-huh. I think that that's starting to mellow out a little bit. Who knows? I might come back, but um, it's, it's like the unnamed sort of stuff about it too. Like, I don't think that a lot of us often are able to sit with grief for long enough to find words for mm-hmm. the loss that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, much like trauma, like that kind of sticks with us in a way where we get pretty reactive. Like we can't name this, but something's really off and I really need to do something about it. So you probably didn't listen to our podcast last week, Jesse, where I said, I am really thinking about, should I have a baby girl? Should I try and convince my husband <laughs> to try? I mean, I'm 41. My youngest is five. It would be a real step back, y'all. A real step back. I know Jesse's laughing because it's so clear um, that this is grief related in so many ways. And we talked about it. We've been talking about it as pandemic flux, which is Amy Cuddy's mm-hmm. word for this desire to kind of drastically change something about your life. But for me, I think I, you know, the pandemic started when my youngest was, I think, three. And so fast forward a year and a half, and now we're restarting the world as a five-year-old. And I'm able to see, whoa, we're in an entirely different stage of parenting. We're in an entirely different part of our lives. And I actually am really enjoying this, this young childhood phase. I'm having a ball with it. I think I'm happier, happier and healthier, but I'm grieving the, the babyhood just of not having any more babies, but also this lost year with my kids and what I thought mm-hmm. my vision was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and there you said it, that lost year, right? Like, I think that like me just hearing that, that hits me 
and I and and I I I know I've had that same thought and continue to like though <laughs> we call it the before times we call it like whatever but like whatever it is it's referring to like this loss that we're not going to get back and I think that when we let it sit there with us in that way why would you one want to sit with that and and two where do you go from there that feels like you're just free falling like we just lost all this time now we need to make up for it and so like i think that if we are registering that first part of like man we had all these losses and can maybe continue to feel them in this way it's kind of thinking about like what were we doing those losses like for some of us like it's like hard to put together. Like, again, it's shocking to me that like, wow, my daughter really was that young when this first started off. It seems like that was like years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm sitting here thinking about it now, like I'm also remembering the other aspects of that loss and that and the grief I'm feeling of like, it was kind of like something that we also don't get back, but in a good way of like, we slowed down a lot. Mm-hmm. I spent days with her that I know I wouldn't have mm-hmm. had we not suffered these losses of just like really just having her like there there was like a period of time where there was like I want to say like a, f- a few solid months of school curriculum was like really like they were still trying to throw things together it's kind of like hey go to these virtual like education kind of like little kitty seminars and like it was so patchwork. I get it. That's not nobody's fault. But I, I remember now looking back at it, like how that was kind of neat, like just being on the couch with her. And yeah, we were watching Sesame Street and that was school. <laughs> that was her preschool at that time. Just like the activity we're doing today is playing with Play-Doh. That is my assignment today as a dad <laughs> is to play with Play-Doh <laughs> with yeah. her. And I think it's, you're right. Cause I'm saying it's a lost year. And then I know those moments, right? I know mm-hmm. that there were moments that were so important and I gained so much else in that year. And I, and I recognize that I recognize that I gained what I lost was the vision. I lost the mm-hmm. vision of what I thought the year was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I gained a whole bunch of other things, whether they were what I wanted to gain or what I didn't want to gain. But Jesse, why do I still want to have another kid? I can say all that stuff. <laughs> why am I still, you know what I mean? Like, why am I still then doing an anxious solution for, for that? Sorry, I put you on that spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, not knowing your inner psyche here, I can't tell you, even if that is fully just all anxiety or not, it might be if that's how it feels to you. I mean, it's hard sitting with grief. You know, there is, I think it's a poem and I'm not even going to remember who it's by, but it's a very short one about somebody saying that I sat with anger long enough until she told me her name was grief. Oh, wow. Right? Mm -hmm. Simple one-liner and it hits us all to the core because of how true it is. Mm -hmm. And so like with grief, it begs us to slow down and be with it. And it's hard. It's a hard ask. And so a lot of times when we're thinking about the losses that people have had during the pandemic and how it's impacted their lives, like when I'm in session with somebody, we're covering some of these losses. 
it really is kind of checking in like is it okay for us to sit with this a little bit and if so what does that get us at the end of the day and like where does that go right because we just don't want to sit with this thing that feels so painful and has all these other emotions with them and i think a lot of the times that the what we get out of it is reminders of who we are and keeping ourselves whole in that way when it feels like we've lost pieces of ourselves or pieces of what we do in that way and so like well the initial sting of losses to me is like i wonder if i was enough as a parent and when i'm really in a more anxious state it's more like i know i wasn't enough mm-hmm. and if i'm getting even further down that territory it's like i can never be enough i'm i'm a terrible parent like that's where like that can go if mm-hmm. i'm just like hitting that one wave of grief mm-hmm. and anxiety from it and then like you know as you continue listening to it and being with like the impact of those losses as you as you and I did it's like we were kind of also those memories of like bursts of joy and just being really present or whatever it is comes to us too and we don't do a very good job of naming and incorporating those things into us as we do with the things that feel painful our brains don't work <laughs> that well that way it's really un- it's a human that's it, the human nature to hold on to pain and to hold on to anxiety more than we do to meaning because guess what if our brains are evolved to be able to problem solve and keep us out of trouble keep us safe the things that are meaningful to us are important for all of us they don't keep us safe necessarily <laughs> so our brain's not going to continue to be like hey guess what jesse you were an awesome dad in all these moments like all these ways, you were an awesome dad dealing with something that people have not experienced since 1918, right? It's like, and that knowledge was not really transferred down for whatever reason. Like you are dealing with this and awesome. That is not going to be retained as well. Those like little bursts as well as the sadness, the pain, the loss, the inadequacy feeling, the not enough feeling. And so in the grief work, Sorry, can I slow you down? I think Mm -hmm. everything you're saying is so spot on. I want to make sure everybody understands it. Okay. So I think what I lost in this is my, we're talking about losing a vision in some ways. I think one of the things I lost was my vision of myself as a parent. Like there were moments where I freaking, not dropping the F-bomb, I was terrible, like, and, and not proud of who I was. And I have anxiety that that's, that's going to stay with my children. Right. I'm like, what does that do to attachment patterns? They're not supposed to see me doing all of these things. They're supposed to be at school. So I can give my attention to my clients. Right. That's the whole thing. And so I, I will spin about that for a really long time. And, and so what you're saying is that that's really normal it's okay to spin or it's okay. So if I sit with that feeling of like this vision that I've lost, also I can let in some of those moments of joy when I really sit with it. Is that what you're saying? That's not quite right. No, no, it's absolutely right. Yeah. Grief is not just all pain related. It's not just all sad. It's all loss. Grief has like, when, when I was doing um, a grief group, uh, prior to going to private practice and I was doing it with cancer caregiver or caregivers of cancer patients after a loss, I had that first session was always 
how do we understand grief? It was like very psychoeducational, just like, what is grief? Mm-hmm. And never in any point of time and without any intervention on, on the facilitators and did we have just painful things up on the board? It was actually people laughing sometimes first session laughing about like, no, there's actually like absurdity to it in some ways. There's like bursts of like joy and feeling really present with some memories or whatever it is. Um, uh, or how I'm carrying this person with me. There's so much more range to grief. And the wonderful thing about us acknowledging those and in, in my role, working with grief, uh, cheerleading somebody in acknowledging these other aspects of it is what does that now mean to you as a person? Cause you just told me this loss over here and this pain over here sends your anxiety thinking about how you're inadequate. Mm-hmm. How do you now make sense out of these other experiences where you were able to be present, where you were able to be super engaged and like available in this way. And it forces us to now integrate this in a more whole way. So we don't change the loss that occurred, but we reclaim us in that way. But to do that, yeah, we get the full range. Can you talk to me about the, okay, this is a ridiculous story. Okay. (laughs) So as we slowed down and I was thinking, wow, I I did kind of, I lost a vision of who I was as as a working mom, child psychologist, right? So I definitely lost that because I was screaming at my kids sometimes, which is fine. We all do. (laughs) But at one point, this one day, we started doing these family dinners on Sundays, right? Where we would like actually cook and the kids would like all create like a different course or whatever. And we had this grand vision and really it was fun. We did it like three Sundays until the last Sunday we did it. My youngest son, Robbie, who was like four at the time, everybody was doing things. We were all working on things in the kitchen and he found some super glue and he literally took the super glue and he applied it to his whole body and got stuck on the floor. Y'all I'm not (laughs) lying. He was fully stuck to the floor. Robert looked at me. He was like, we're going to have to get, we're going to have to take the floorboards out to get him off. So thank goodness we did not do that. We actually peeled him off we put him in the bath, but then he was high off of the fumes. So he was like, just like in the bath singing, then like almost asleep, like really losing his mind. But my point is, is that when I sat with the grief, I remembered that story. And really the story was about our inability to keep this kid safe and sane, right? Like we could barely function as a family. Um, it was such a joyful, funny story. Like we've all had so much joy with that story now, but I wouldn't have let that part in really if I hadn't slowed down to think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, so we're reminded of like the ways that we are probably pretty adaptive people, right? Like in that way, like if you are here talking to us right now about your losses, about this pandemic, you have survived it. And yes, I'm not just kind of going into like, hey, look at how resilient we are as people. We don't want to have to keep being resilient. We want things to be easier. But um, it, it, again, like it's all about bringing back that wholeness of who we are. So like now that you have that memory that you're sharing, you could tell me like, see, Jesse, I'm still such an inadequate parent (laughs) or whatever it is. And it's like, well, you kind of just gave me ammo to suggest otherwise, that it's actually not as simple as you're, you're painting it. 
Mm-hmm. And now we have reached what grief gets you, which is that self-compassion and the ways that you want to keep moving through this. You might not have the answers. You may still be feeling the losses. Now you're telling me who you are as a person. And in this case, we're talking about parenthood. And so, yeah, I, I can't imagine any parents really feeling like they handled this adequately <laughs> or, or well. Yeah. Um, we've all probably really, really, really struggled in our own ways. Um, I know that the thing that had stuck with me going through all this as a parent and also like kind of in every other role is just the feeling like it's not enough, which makes so much sense when you relate it to grief, right? Because like we're talking about the changes that our kids had when in school, socializing, us as parents struggling and trying to figure out our identities and our careers and all that stuff going on. It was really challenging to i think at least for me to confront that voice of jesse you're continuing to tell yourself you're not enough and that makes you push harder that makes you do more and i don't even know if that's what that more is going to but it makes you just spin and do things and feel urgent kind of like you're saying like maybe mm-hmm. we just have another kid maybe yeah. maybe maybe we just move like i don't i, I don't know and at p.s we did move during the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> and it did feel very urgent ways. <laughs> but um but yeah like it it gets us to like when i took the time to slow down to listen to me telling myself i'm not enough i got into the grief i got into why why am i treating this person so poorly <laughs> this person who's me why am i treating them so poorly am i not suffering are we not suffering as people and parents, like uh, I think that my heart goes out to you in that way is that it, it it's often we are the last person that I think you identify as suffering in a family dynamic. It's like look at look at these kids, look at our partner, like it's just all over the place. Um, and so yeah, compassion to me is like really the thing that you can access if we do sit with this for a little while. Do you think we're wired to? to be self-critical, right? When we're sad or grieving, because you were, do you think we're wired to then be self-critical in those moments? Yeah, that's a good question. I've thought about it. And like the other thing that is another conversation itself, but it's also very much a part of this conversation is what we know about trauma, right? So like, if we're not able to name a really distressing event that really impact us, our safety, our sense of safety, our, all this other stuff, then the way that we know we carry that or the impact it can have is hitting shame is hitting a lot of parts of us that we can't understand name or incorporate. And so in that way, that's so much related to grief, grief and trauma are like bound in this way where that if we are feeling this grief, you and I now are talking about that immediate rev up of anxiety that we're feeling And when we are overwhelmed, meaning that we no longer feel like we can handle this, there's probably a lot of different definitions of overwhelm, but that's kind of how I define it. Like, I no longer feel adequate in handling the situation. What did I just say there? That's shame, right? Like, I no longer am adequate. You said it too. I am not an adequate parent. Boom. Right there. And so if we leave it there, that shame drives us right away from ourselves, right? Like it drives us back into anxiety. How do I do more? How do I, 
if we sit with it, slow it down and listen to, I think the intensity and how harsh we are with ourselves in that way and where it's coming from a loss of control of whatever. Um, then I think that we can actually address that shame in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in that way, I guess if we are looking at trauma research and where that's been going over the years, I think that I would say that it probably is part of the human condition that when we are overwhelmed, when we have traumatic impact from something, when we have losses, I think that that puts us at really high risk for having that turn into self-deprecation, shame, self-criticizing mm-hmm. in that way. And yeah, maybe people who are identifying themselves as, perf- as perfectionists or overachievers or uh, it, it, whatever, like I, maybe there is a different kind of way that's being wired. But yeah, I think it is kind of the human condition in that way. Well, and when you're even, when you were talking about that, it made me realize, I think when I think about my experience over the last year, year and a half at this point, almost two, to be honest with you, I I also really feel as if there are certain parts of what happened where I'm grieving that, but I also don't feel it as acutely in other ways. Like I feel grief about in particular, like my middle son, getting him on a screen, he was in first grade, it was so hard, just and he was home all the time. So I'm grieving that relationship and who I was in that relationship. But I, I don't have grief, I don't think about my younger son, because he was, he was just in a different developmental stage. And I think it was easier with him. So it's almost like I can parse out just like we can hold a lot of emotions you can be happy at about something and sad about it at the same time i think as we're thinking about the pandemic we can feel grief about one part of our life but not feel grief about another part of our life is that true i don't know like because with what i heard you say there actually i wouldn't say it was just grief it was more so like how you uh feel the shame of it or feel like the like how that comes up for you right like and it, you, but the thing that screams at us is when it feels painful is that shame. But if I were to ask you, like, so is that what you were really wanting for your infant or your youngest kid at that time is like, however life looked, there's probably parts of that, at least that weren't ideal. Right. And if you were to name them that, yeah, maybe there were, were some losses there. Like, yeah, maybe it would have been nice to be able to do X, Y, and Z and give that person the experience, even if maybe they weren't going to remember it that well or whatever, and you mm-hmm. weren't as worried about the impact. Yeah. So I think where I hear that you're right, changing your experiences, it lets you off the hook of shame for whatever reason with that stuff. It doesn't change that that was a loss though. And you're right. There's like parts of that that are very true for me as a parent too, where I think that there is definitely like, I have little um, reaction to like, Hey, my kid wasn't able to like go into like, like they found out about grocery stores pretty late in the game, you know, like something random like that. Oh my gosh. That is so (laughs) funny. I've never thought about that. That's hysterical. Yeah. With where it landed in, in time, she just did not have the recognition of what even a grocery store was no concept for it in her brain. That's That's a loss. That's crazy. That that's a loss. Like it's wild to me to think that it took that long for us to even have that conversation of like this is what this is <laughs> yeah this is like and, a pretty important thing in the world yeah it's like a pretty big staple of what you're gonna now do with your life <laughs> it's like this one thing where we get food 
and, and and am I sad about it? Like, does it create pain? Not really. Is it a loss? Yeah. Like, there's probably like that and many other things. Like together, it's like at my worst moments, maybe I get anxious about like, man, how hard is it going to be to catch up these kids? I think that's probably a big thing that many of us feel in society and in general. Is like how how much do we have to catch up now from these losses? That's a rough game to play. Like it, with the grocery store, and now we can apply this to many other things. Like, yeah, it was a loss. It's different. I don't think that that necessarily has to mean that this is uh, damage done <laughs> at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, there might be a time where she reflects on like things that she just didn't have access to at that point in time and that maybe a lot of people in our cohort wouldn't have either. But yeah, like it, it's not something that I actively find myself worrying about in that way. <laughs> but right. it's like the it's the things, and it might be different for all of us as parents based on our upbringings and the our life experiences. Like there are probably things that we're all used to spinning in our heads, like that record that plays that is self-critical. We had carried that well before the pandemic, but that probably influenced a lot of what felt like what you're describing, like what actually dug at us in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as like a, a relatively newer parent, I think that I, for me, one of the records that had been playing was just like, I am still trying to figure out what it means to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to figure this out and I'm probably selling myself short in a lot of ways. So I'm a little bit more in that moment going into the pandemic probably predisposed to being like i do not have it together as a dad because i didn't have it i didn't feel that way before (laughs) i'm sure you were a great dad though right like i also think developmentally i think honestly developmentally it would make sense for to have a two and a half year old to still be getting your feet wet because the first year of life is like so much about the mom so you're really in your infancy and i wonder there's got to be grief in that too for you, right? Because you didn't have the natural trajectory of what does it look like to become a dad and and how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of had a lot of visions. Uh, if I were to go back in that rewinds, you know, like I remember growing up, and I don't I don't exactly remember how old I was at the time, but I know that like it started really early where like I would be going to libraries, the museums, and all these fun community things. And I loved it. It felt safe. It was a way to explore. And it, yeah. And so like I remember that once our daughter was like in that exploration stage. It was picking up for me. I was like, oh, I'm excited to like go to Richmond and like check out museums and like do these sorts of things. And immediately sideswipe from that. Museums closing down. You know, thing th- nothing's open. Nothing's safe. And yeah, huge loss around that. Like that's something I wanted to offer that I had mm-hmm. growing up. And yeah, so I'm still sad about that. And I even hear that and I'm like, Guys, Jesse and I are just giving each other therapy. It's fine. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, your role as a dad feels like it really shifted. Because that sounds to me like that felt like a really important part of your role. And then that was stolen from you. Yeah. And like, I think that the danger with grief and loss with this pandemic as a parent in that way was um, 
because like I think this actually is kind of a reaction to loss in a lot of other aspects here too. But like when you lose something like that, I also can't really replicate it that well. Like it's not the same in that way. So I can't like, we did literally like, uh, you know, I grew up in North of Boston. So like, I'm thinking like the museum of science up there, I'm thinking the aquarium up in Boston. And there was one point during the pandemic where uh, I think it was that, yeah, it was the aquarium was doing a virtual thing mm-hmm. and that was awesome. I got that. And I remember feeling so disappointed. <laughs> I remember feeling another like kind of wave of that loss. Cause like I got initially kind of excited, like, okay, maybe we can like adapt this mm-hmm. and we, we, we can get a piece of this back mm-hmm. and feeling so much loss because in my head, I was maybe mo- a little bit more reactive to my grief than I realized where it was like, I was really, really trying to, I think, undo this loss by like just mm-hmm. replacing it with this. Yeah. And it wasn't the same. She didn't even care. She walked away from the TV. <laughs> <laughs> she did not care. And that hurt me. I, I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> wasn't on her, but like that hurt. That's how I feel about Christmas. Like, you know, like all these traditions about Christmas and when they don't go exactly right. I'm like, what the hell, kids? Like, get it together. It's Christmas. But it, but it made me like when I really, when I, I was still in that moment of like disappointment, not really realizing everything I was experiencing, like it had like this turning away effect, which I think happens a lot with grief. It's like, that is painful. That sucked. Like we, we couldn't get this back. And now I almost feel like I have to like, just withdraw from that part of life and turn my back on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now all of a sudden, if like that feeling kind of lingers and continues, the, little experiences of like playing Legos or, you know, whatever, like Play-Doh, whatever we're doing uh, together. Like, I know that like that thing in the back of my head can be like, but this isn't how it should be. This isn't enough. This isn't like what I really want to be offering. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, it's that spiral of, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm worried that it's not enough for her. And after we have that experience with the Legos, it's like, I wasn't even a good enough dad at that point. Right. Like I wasn't even present. Like I was still over here, like mm-hmm. telling myself it wasn't enough that like, this isn't, yeah, this is just not going to work. Um, and so like, it really compounds on itself, I think in that way. And so like with grief, if I, if we can be present with the pain part of it, present with the other things that come up uh, that, we have a better chance of also acting the way that we want to be um, in the moments and not like kind of continuously feeling this loss and contributing to the loss in some ways of that withdrawal effect. Like I think that if I had the chance to, and I did eventually like rebound and say, this is enough, you know, like this is actually, there's something to be gained here. There's something that like, it's not going to be the same thing. I, I have to accept and let go of the fact this is not the museum of science or the aquarium. And I need to understand what is right here in this moment and what I can get out of it. And it doesn't take away the other loss though. So now we have both of these, we have both me knowing that I can be present, be an awesome dad, like in this moment and still be sad and that's okay. And, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but I guess like the, the last piece of this thought that I'm trying to complete is 
with grief, I think it feels like a lot of red flags in our system, like something's amiss that we now need to do something with. And what really separates it from maybe like um, other parts of anxiety and trauma where they are really making us safe in a lot of ways where we hopefully are paying more attention to our environment or to our internal world to see if something really is going on. When we're able to identify that maybe this is grief that's driving it, it can be so liberating to get to that point and realize like, Oh, I actually don't have to do anything with this other than Mm -hmm. understand it. That's all I have to do. Is just continue to listen and continue to understand. And that can actually feel really liberating where I don't need to have this motor of, I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And even slowing down and listening, because everyone knows here that I want to be, my next question wants to be, what should we do about it? What should we do about it? But what I've just realized, and I've been stopping myself from saying that to you, Jesse, and it's hard for me, <laughs> um, but it, what I've realized is that Grief is always going to be a part of parenting because you're always going to be grieving your mm-hmm. who your kid was yesterday and who you yes. were yesterday. And so we can't, I'm going to cry, but we can't walk through parenting without also walking with grief right next to us through it. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's like, that's it. Yep. Absolutely. Like absolutely separate from the pandemic. I am grieving actively this toddler we had who did hilarious things she's still hilarious but um who would maybe let me hold her a certain way and would you, you know whatever it is and having nothing to do with the pandemic she's outgrown some of it mm-hmm. and now she says like hilarious things and like does other things that are like awesome and so there's so much joy to be had there but you're right is that was that's built into the experience mm-hmm. Um, and we, we feel that, like, I think that part of how we address grief is how we talk about it as a society. So when you're asking what do we now do with it, grief is kind of communal in that way. Like, I think that if I had a wish for people individually and as a community on what we do with grief, it's that we acknowledge it, we talk about it, and we hand that down. Like I said, like, wouldn't ha- that have been something if we had people who have gone through all these other extreme life events, like the depression, the 1918 Spanish flu, like all these other stuff. Wouldn't it be great if we had that so much more accessible through spoken word down to us stories, whatever it was, wouldn't it have been awesome to have all of that so present with us during this, not necessarily because it tells us what to do as a blueprint, but it tells us that human, this is like, part of the human experience and it's okay. Like we're just looking to know that we are not alone with this grief, that we are not uh, going about it wrong and newsflash, you can't do grief wrong, (laughs) but like, we need to know that we need to feel that. So like, I think that that would be my wish on like how we talk about and do with it is it might not be as satisfying as saying, listen, I have this perfect equation for how you grieve and get through it. You don't get through it. You just continue walking with it. And it's not satisfying for our problem solving brains, but it's so meaningful to like understand like, oh, well, I can continue to feel this and will continue to feel this. I can keep tapping into this stuff that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. 
And I want my daughter to <laughs> remember this, even though there's part of me in the pain part that like, does not want her to remember a lot of this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of me that wants her to remember this and to be able to understand it. I know that we're, we're probably getting close to wrapping up here, but I, one thing that I think that I could say that I personally did to act on these layers of grief in a very altogether in a very real way is um, my daughter started asking a lot about my dad who died um, when I was fairly young. And she kept asking, like we, she saw pictures, she kept asking about like what happened or, you know, why he was gone, those sorts of things. And it really helps to guide me into like, I, th- I think attuning to her of like, how do I talk about these losses? Cause in the same vein, she would ask about why can't we go visit grandma and grandpa right now? Right. Yeah. Why can't we see family who's in California? And I was like, huh? They're, these kids, the, the kids yes. want, want to have that name. They want to understand that. Jesse, I said it already today. I'm just going to say it again. You're a genius. And, and honestly, like you've helped me so much in the last two hours that I've spent with you. I'm going to think and feel a lot of things after this. If people want to find you, how can it start with your Twitter account? Because Jesse's Twitter account is on point, y'all. So how can people <laughs> find your Twitter account? So, yeah. Um, and, and I will give you a disclaimer. I, I keep it fairly clean, but uh, I, I do use some explicit language every now and then. Um, so if, if you are having kids following me, just or just any adults for that matter, I, I do keep it pretty to myself, but also I try to be fairly professional too. Um, but it's at BRB Health, um, which is off of a blog that I started that I have since then not followed up with very well but blue so it stands for blue ridge behavioral health um brb health is my twitter handle and if people want to access your services at virginia family therapy right absolutely yep virginia family therapy so just go to www.virginiafamilytherapy you can learn more about podcast therapists there too but you can go right to jesse's page and learn more about him Although I'll probably be using all of his time from here on out. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. Thank you so much, Jesse. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Great being on. Thank you.